Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Only 24 hours stands between us and the NFL draft and we couldn't be more excited to be here with you, bringing you our final thoughts and predictions entering the big draft day Thursday. We're going to talk about, you know, the biggest scenarios involving the draft, looking at the biggest what ifs for the Bengals in the last three years and revisiting them today and looking at some best and worst case scenarios the Bengals could have tomorrow. Welcome into the final pre-draft podcast edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad joined with you once again with the crew, Mike Nislik and Andrew Gillis. And as we've been saying on this podcast, and as I will keep saying on this podcast, make sure you sign up for our Cincinnati football newsletter, Strictly Stripes newsletter. I'm getting it mixed up with our subtext service, which I'll tell you about later. But yeah, our Strictly Stripes newsletter, it's easy. Go to cleveland.com slash newsletters. It's free to sign up. You get a newsletter in your inbox every morning giving you the latest updates, news, analysis, and opinion on the Bengals from me, Mike, and Andrew. So, yeah, like I said, make sure you go to cleveland.com slash newsletter. So, guys, we have talked for weeks and months and days about who should the Bengals pick, where should they prioritize certain positions. We've had talks time and time again. So, really, just jumping into it, you know, you're, you're sitting Thursday. We're watching the Bengals make their pick. I guess there's a two-part question. Well, I'll start with the first part for each of you guys. The first part I want to ask is, you know, the Bengals are making their pick, like I said. What is the best-case scenario you imagine happening for the Bengals on Thursday night in the first round? I think, you know, in my view, I think there's there's kind of a perfect blend of, you know, best case or best player available and, and positional need or, or at least positional value. Um, you know, so I look to a guy like a Miles Murphy, um, you know, Kalaji Kansi, like yeah, a lot of people are really excited about him and a lot of people are really scared by him. But, you know, with Murphy, I think, you know, you, you get a productive college player, you know, a player who tested well at the combine. I just think that Murphy kind of gives you a, a, a nice boost to your pass rush and one that you probably need. So, uh, you know, I think I, I, I would kind of say if you were to put a name on it, I would say Miles Murphy. Um, you know, if you weren't to put a name on it, I think you you would have to look and say, all right. So you have the, obviously the four quarterbacks: Stroud, Young, Levis, and uh, Richardson are going to go early. You probably would want Hooker in that top twenty-seven. Um, you know, you would want a quarterback to go early, uh, maybe earlier than expected, just so 
you know, you can kind of push everyone else down the board. So I think, I think, like I said, a, a name I would, uh, I would put as Miles Murphy. I think that's a, I think that's a really, really nice pick for the Bengals. Um, but, you know, if you're kind of talking best case scenario, you know, I would say, you know, you need quarterbacks early and, uh, you know, you, you probably need, you know, you need Bijan to go. You, you need some, some maybe off the board picks early. You're saying, so you're saying Miles Murphy at 28? I just, you know, I had that in one draft, but that was before uh, that pro day he had that was delayed because he had been injured. You know, he had right. started kind of sliding on drip boards, but um, that sort of rebounded his stock. I, I don't see, I mean, I guess that would be best case scenario because it seems really far-fetched. I mean, I, I think they could make that happen if they traded up. And I talked about that in the story today I wrote um, that, you know, one best case scenario, one way to win the draft would be sort of not being as precious about that draft, future draft capital and making a move like that, whether it's Murphy or, or somebody that you sort of believe in. Um, Cause like I said, I think you're, um, you know, you keep saying it the last couple of months, one, one or two players away. Um, and this draft is, you know, supposedly, you know, reading all these different GMs say, um, you know, there's only 15 to 21st rate round graded players overall. So to get those, you know, Bengals would either have to have somebody fall back or, or try to trade up. Um, and they don't have a long history of trading up barely any. So uh, I'm not sure that's a, a likely one uh, for me. The other one is just getting, you know, best case would be drafting one of the top tight ends and running backs um, uh, in this draft. And I think that's pretty doable. Uh, thanks to that deep tight end class. I don't think you have to necessarily take tight end or running back in round one. I think you could do either or um, and get um, one of the best in sort of round two or three at those other spots. Um, but I think there's a, you know, I, I outlined some like different combinations. You know, you talk about uh, Michael Mayer and, and Zach Charbonnet or, um, uh, Jameer Gibbs and, and, you know, Sam Laporta or some, you know, those type of combinations or Darno Washington, um, sound, you know, like I think that that's the clearest way to upgrade this team. Cause I, I don't think any first round pick on defense upgrades this team outside of a guy like maybe Miles Murphy that could come in and, and play some snaps. But if you're drafting a corner, you're drafting him to be a backup. If you're drafting him a safety, same kind of deal. So that's kind of, kind of my thoughts on that. So you mentioned the Bengals haven't traditionally traded up in the first round, and you are exactly right. The last time they traded up in the first round was 1995. They had the number five pick in the draft, and they traded that and the number 36th overall pick to the Carolina Panthers, who were an expansion team, if you remember. That was their first season. For the first overall pick, they picked Kajana Carter. I'm not going to get into that because you could argue he's one of the biggest busts in NFL history. But then as far as modern-day history goes, the closest they've gotten to that was in the first round of the 2012 draft when they traded Carson Palmer to the Raiders the year before. They got a first-round pick you know, in the following draft, which was 2012. That's how they got Drake Kirkpatrick. I think that was kind of a toss-up pick. But then they also got Kevin Zeidler with the pick they already had planned uh, at 27. Um well, actually, no, they were supposed to be at 21 and traded down to get the 27th pick to the Patriots. So they do trade down, as I mentioned there, and they've done that with the second round. But, you know, you mentioned, Mike, a defensive pick wouldn't really be successful, you know, unless it's someone like Miles Murphy. What would – and so this is kind of the, the second part of the question I want to get to, not just for you, but, you know, Andrew as well. What's a worst-case scenario for the Bengals in the first round? Is it picking a defensive guy not named Miles Murphy? 
Is it getting a guy that has a lot of like red flags? Like, what is the worst case scenario in the first round? To me, it's loading up on on depth um, at, on defense in terms of you know just trying to shore up those positions. I think you could do that in the later rounds. Uh, you know, I'm talking specifically with your first three picks. I don't think they should be conservative in this draft. Um, you know, if they trade back, I'm okay with that. But if they trade back and you know draft a corner and a safety or something like that, or uh, a corner and an interior defensive lineman, um, I think you're selling this current roster short um, because you need um, guys that I, I think can elevate your roster. And then I'm not sure how much those guys do that um, right off the bat. Andrew, what's the worst case scenario for you? If you're the Bengals, you're at 28. Like when you're looking at that, what's the worst case scenario that could happen for them with that pick? Yeah, I, I think it would be a trade up. Um, you know, I, I'm actually pretty much diametrically opposed to, to Mike in in that kind of philosophy. I, I don't think you should trade up. Uh, you know, I think that there's there's obviously some some numbers there about how you know trading back kind of gets you uh, you know more kicks at the can, if you will. Um, you know, and there was a there's a really good point today made by on Twitter by Ben Baldwin. Um, you know, because there was a lot of talk today about uh, the Commanders not exercising their uh, fifth year option on on defensive end Chase Young, and you know he kind of made the point like you know the 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 new CBA which started in 2020, uh, it, it's made the fifth year option fully guaranteed and expensive. Um, you know, you can if you make more than one Pro Bowl, it's a lot of money. You know, like if Joe Burrow had made two Pro Bowls. Uh, his fifth-year option would be worth $32.4 million. Um, so it's, it's a really expensive deal. So the, the fifth-year option to me, I think, at this point, might be a little overstated. Um, so I think, you know, you can still get some good value by trading back. So I think trading up and then you end up with a player, it's kind of a two-leg parlay here. You don't just trade up because if you trade up and, I mean, you draft – a I don't know, a player who's going to start immediately, you can stomach that. But if you trade up and you go get a Miles Murphy at 22, at 21, um, you know, if you trade up and you get a Michael Mayer at 20, like I, I just don't think trading up should be kind of what this team needs to do because you only have seven picks. And I think, you know, you know, Mike's made the point, this team needs to try and find guys that can win. But I think you could also make the case that, you could do that by getting nine different players and saying, "All right, we're going to go into this season with with some you know some reinforcements here and guys that we think can can play and uh, you know because you're going to need depth throughout the year." So I just think that trading up for this team right now, especially kind of with the contract situations coming down the line, I'm just not sure that's the smartest play. Well, how many? Well, like you made the point. Go how ahead, many Mike. first round? How many first round draft picks have the Kansas City Chiefs had over the last seven years? Uh, that's a good question. There's uh, a answer stuff if we can give some podcast filler time. The answer is four, and two oh, last wow. year. Wow. Okay. So uh, they, they also have Patrick Mahomes, though. So well, they traded <laughs> up to get him too. They traded a future first rounder. Well, yeah. So well, so that's the thing. If you're going to trade up, you need to do it for a guy who's going to massively impact your roster. Like you made the massive trade up for Mahomes in 17. You don't have one in 18. You don't have one in 19. You pick a running back at the end of the first round in 2020. And, like, uh, to me, I, look, I know a lot of people were high on him, but to me that was kind of always clear that that was a disaster. You don't have one in 21, and then you have two last year. So I just – if you're going to do it, you've got to do it for a player 
who can help you like immediately and is it a position of value otherwise i don't think it makes sense right but why wouldn't miles murphy sort of fit that bill because the thing with murphy is that i would worry about him playing immediately um because if you like I, I think that there's kind of a way to do both here, right? Like, I think that there's a way to to draft for the future, to set yourself up long term, uh, but also to kind of end up with you know a, a, a solid draft class where you have some depth, you have some starters, and uh, you know, like if you trade up for Miles Murphy, it's don't think of it as trading up for Miles Murphy. You go from, I mean, like we did it in our in our mock draft the other day. Like, 28 to 26 was the fourth, like, on the trade chart. So, like, I don't know. What if you move up from 28 to 23rd and you're giving up a third-round pick, a first, a third, and, like, a sixth next year or something like that? Like, sure, if you if you if you have plans to play him, that's fine. But you're also giving up. I mean, in the, in the second round, you're like, all right, well, running back, tight end, we need one of them. Um, what do we do? And you kind of have to make that decision because then you're not picking until the fourth round. So... I just, I just think that you kind of have to look at it as what you're giving up too. I mean, it's all dependent on execution, right? Right. I mean, if the Bengals had trade traded one of their fourth round picks in 2019, those players would have been Ryan Finley, Renly, Rennell Wren, and Michael Jordan. So, I mean, it's like, I I don't know. I think being precious about picks is sort of like, uh, you know, nice in theory, but like you're already at a Super Bowl caliber roster. You're going to be for a little while because, of you know, you've said Joe Burrow is, you know, that's your window, right? So why not go all in now? Why why worry about a fourth-round pick that, you know, are, you know, really the chances of them working out historically are are much less so than, you know, first-round picks or early first-round picks, uh, especially at certain positions. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think being conservative all the time, like, because he's not done the opposite, right? Like, I mean, and he's, and his draft history is, you know, uh, Duke Tobin is more spotty, you know, than people, you know, now say, because obviously the last four years have really worked out. But, I mean, you know, there were long periods of really not great, um, you know, picks. And so, I don't know, I just feel trying to get a sure thing isn't sort of like the worst thing in the world. Sure, but you know, in in 2018, this team drafted Billy Price in the first round, and their second, you know, their second round pick was Jesse Bates, and their first third round pick was Sam Hubbard. Uh, you know, so there are there are you know kind of success stories there too. Well, Price was um, a bust, though. I wouldn't go that far. Price was a bust. He's not there anymore. He but, got but, traded. No, that's my point. That's my point, Muhammad. Like you, you pick a 21, and you you draft a player who doesn't really work out, right, but, but then you the, get a player like Jesse Bates and Sam Hubbard in two and three. Now is the time to take a swing. You're not rebuilding. You don't need ten picks. You don't need you don't need nine picks next year. You need a you need like two more players or three more players that like can be you know you know a ten sack guy or somebody that could really elevate your roster. And I think sort of uh, just kind of saying, well, we need to be careful. We don't want to you know we don't want to screw up our depth in three years. I, mean, I don't know. This is really not the. I mean. Really? That's the argument against it? You know, it's like, I, I don't know. I just see it as like, you need the guy now. You need somebody now. Like, what if Joe Burrow gets hurt in two years and never plays again? Like, you're going to probably be kicking yourself. You don't, you held on to that first rounder, you know, number 28, and didn't, when you had an opportunity, you sort of get somebody better. Sure, but what, but what if you can move into round two? You know, what if you move into the early parts of round two, pick whoever, 
pick up an extra third, then all of a sudden, you know, your your second round pick taking a Jameer Gibbs might feel a little more palatable. You have, and then you have, I don't know, it, at thirty, I don't, uh, let's say the Seahawks because they have a lot of picks. The Seahawks are at thirty seven. You know, you trade back to thirty seven, take Jameer Gibbs at thirty seven, pick up an extra third and whatever else that's going to cost, and then all of a sudden you're, you, you know, you I think you can still fill those needs where. Okay, now you have Jameer Gibbs. You still have, you know, let's say you pick up an extra second. I don't know. You take Jameer yeah, Gibbs. And I, and I don't, I'm not saying that that scenario is a bad scenario. I think Gibbs will be gone, but that's the early second round. But my point is more that to be, a, just to rule out trading up because of X, Y, and Z in this position, I think is a bad, would be, and he's kind of talked about how he still doesn't like it. Uh, Duke Tobin, that is. Um, I just think is, sort of crazy to me that you wouldn't sort of view this year differently. Um, and, and I'm not saying the alternative situations are necessarily always going to be bad. Like I think trading back could work depending on who you get. Um, but I, I just think that future draft capital right now should be viewed slightly different than it was, you know, three or four years ago. I don't know. I, I just think that that's, that's too short term thinking because I mean, well, it's well, harder to win the have, Super Bowl than it is. You, the, the, this team is more likely not to win the Super Bowl than it is to win the Super Bowl. Why do you say that? Well, I, well, mean, I mean, just based just, on odds. But just I mean, based on odds, like, yeah. Well, I mean, well, well, it, what about beyond odds, though? Like, are you saying that from a gut feeling or just strictly based on the odds? Well, no, it's, I mean, strictly based on the odds because, like, I mean, the, you, I mean, you can say that the Bengals have, you know, the best team in the AFC, but – I mean, they still have to play the Chiefs. Like they still well, have to play the Bills. You they could still say have to play that the... this roster is never going to be better than it is right now because you're going to have to dedicate fifty. Well, I mean, at least what eighty, probably eighty million towards Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. So um, your talent pool is not going to get better. So right now would be the time to, you know, be aggressive because you know you're going to have to be uh, like in three years. You know, then 10 picks, I think, becomes more important. But this year and next year, I think you have the flexibility to sort of say, like, well, we need to get this one. We need to get this next one. You know, uh, we were so close to these last two years. Um, this is as talented as our roster is going to be. Well, I, I guess the last thing I'll say on this then is, is that it's mitigating disaster, essentially. Um, because, you know, it, it, let's say, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a name here. Like, Mike, throw out a name for a guy that you would trade up to 19 for. Well, but I mean, Murphy's an example, right? I think we were sure. talking about him. Like, if he's if he falls flat on his face, yeah, it doesn't work out. But I'm saying it, it, it taking the swing is not bad, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, all these scenarios could fail miserably. So, I mean, really, we'll judge it in three years. But I think taking a swing now makes just a whole lot more sense than sort of a, a conservative approach. That's fair, and I'm just saying that, like, I think if you're gonna trade up, you had better be damn sure that this guy is going to be a stud because. You know, if, if, I mean, you know, you, you made them, you made the point like, Hey, like this team, you know, eventually you're going to need picks, but not now, but sure. But if you miss, like if you go up to 19 and get Murphy, or if you go up to 17, because you love, you know, uh, Lucas Van Ness, or you love Joey Porter Jr., which by the way, would be hilarious. Um, but like <laughs> if, if you do that, like if you're going to do that and that's a miss, then you're up a creek because, you know, you're probably only going to have like four or five picks from this draft that you can, you know, realistically rely on. And those guys are going to be mid to late round guys. 
Oh, well, the interesting one would probably be Bijan Robinson. Like, would he elevate that? Like, if he's if he if he look if he's yes. as good as like as advertised, um, you know that could that could I think the Bengals might regret not taking a swing like that. I mean, I know running backs not sort of thought of now as like the big deal, but like you know if he's a game changing guy, you know some are, are comparing him to Saquon. Um, you know that's somebody too that I think fits that mold where. You know, yeah, on paper, you know, people, you know, running backs, not it. But in practice, if you insert him into a Bengals offense with the talent that it has, I don't know, man, would be pretty good, right? Wait, did you say Saquon? Barkley? Oh, you mean Saquon. I was about to say, I've never heard Saquon. Saquon I, I used to say Saquon. This is identical huh. twin brother. He's really good at football, too. <laughs> <laughs> How have we not heard of Saquon? You know something that we don't. You're the real insider here. Um, <laughs> no, not to get you off there, but Saquon's headshot and there's like a mustache with like 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 glasses on. He's got a hat. Yeah, love that. Kind of love like that image. What was that when, when Eli Manning did that series with ESPN? What like he wore a mustache? He had like a mask on. What was his name? Like he made a name and was like with the Giants players practicing. Like, have you guys seen that? He like literally gets in a costume. I'm try- I have to. I don't know the name, but like I've seen the clip. You know, wait, when he tried out for Penn State. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, when he tried out for Penn Chad State, Powers. Chad Powers, Chad Powers. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I remember that because that was a segment they had on the Monday night game when the Bengals played the Browns. Like that was a pregame segment they had because it was Halloween, obviously. So yeah, I guess there's like a, there's a Chad Powers out there that's like Saquon Barkley's twin brother. So I guess really just, just to kind of like summarize what you guys are saying, Andrew's saying be smart, be focused, don't try to get crazy with it in the first round. Mike is saying why not go crazy with it? You know, you even if you go for a swing and a miss, at least you're not sitting three years from now saying, well, I should have taken that swing because, like MJ said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So Mike is saying take the shot. Interesting. Hold on to the ball and play it safe. Is that what I'm hearing? Essentially. Essentially. Okay. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to wrap up our draft discussion for tomorrow's big day. And we're going to go back in time for a little bit, but in a fun way, looking back at some of the big what-ifs with the Bengals' last three drafts. But don't go away. We'll have that for you right here when we come back right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, thanks for staying with us on this final pre-draft edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Before we continue our draft discussion, we want to remind you guys to sign up for our subtext service, Cincinnati Football Insider, where you, the fan, the listener, and every other adjective in between, you get to stay in tune with us as we send you to your phone all the latest insights, news, analysis, and discussion. We literally discuss things with you before we get to social media or before we even write for the web, it's easy to sign up. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Click on that blue banner at the top of the page. It's $4.99 a month, but you get a two 
week free trial to start, and you can cancel it anytime you want in those two weeks. So sign up today at cleveland.com slash Bengals. You will not regret it. And our subscriber base is growing, so make sure you join the Cool Kids Club because you're going to have fun with the cool kids being us. So my fellow cool kids down the block. So we've been talking a lot about the Bengals draft strategy, and I want to kind of wrap up sort of just, you know, the best worst-case scenario discussions we've been having by pretty much – I wanted to ask you this earlier, and I wanted to kind of ask this now. We talked about best worst case, but like what would a surprising move be? It could be good or bad. You know, it doesn't have to be either or, but like what would a surprising move be in the first round? Is it a certain trade? Is it a certain pick? Like what would surprise you in the first round? um, You know, I think it's hard to kind of say because there are, you know, the Bengals have kind of put themselves in a position where – there's not a ton of, you know, position groups that, you know, would truly stun you. I mean, if the Bengals draft, it doesn't sound like there's going to be a linebacker that's going to go in round one. So if the Bengals draft a defensive lineman, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised. Um, safety would be a surprise for sure. Um, but that would be, uh, that would be Branch, the kid from, uh, the kid from Alabama. Alabama. Um, sounds like he's going to be gone, but you know, who knows? He might still be around. Um, so that would kind of be a surprise to me. So there, you know, but again, corner wouldn't, you know, what if you really like Keely Ringo or, uh, you know, you somehow, it doesn't sound like Joey Porter. If Joey Porter gets by the Steelers, Joey Porter Jr. I, I mean, that would be crazy. Um, you know, it's that I know the Steelers need an offensive lineman, but I know they kind of like to do that. So. Um, you know, a corner would be, you know, fine. I think really the only position that would truly stun me would be safety and receiver. Um, I, but, and with receiver, it would kind of have to be more than just, Hey, they drafted a receiver. It would kind of, it, it feels like it would be a little off the board considering Addison would be gone or assuming Addison's gone. Zay Flowers is gone. JSN is gone. Um, Running back would be mildly surprising, but I wouldn't be floored by it. So, yeah, I, there, there's not a ton that would surprise me, but I think safety and, and receiver kind of have to top that list. Real quick, would you be surprised if they picked Jameer Gibbs in the first round? Um, Well, like, I mean, you know, I just said, you know, the, the running backs mildly, I think, would be the word for it. Um, I, I wouldn't be, like, floored. I Now, I, I wouldn't do it. You know, I kind of wrote today that – I don't think Jameer Gibbs would be a good pick at 28. You know, I know you need a running back and, you know, I've kind of made the case before that you might need two, but uh, yeah, I just, you know, I don't think Gibbs is, is a good pick at 28 considering that, you know, is Gibbs really that much of a difference maker compared to, uh, you know, Zach Charbonnet you can get in the second round or, uh, you know, Keandre Miller or something like that. Like, I, I just don't know if, if the juice is worth that squeeze considering, it's basically you're making a trade. I mean, if your first two picks are going to be tight end and running back, you know, would you rather have, you know, Kincaid and Mayer, Kincaid or Mayer and Charbonnet, or would you rather have Gibbs and uh, Darnell Washington or, uh, you or know, Luke Schoonmaker? Yeah. Schoon- yeah. So there, there's a couple different options there, but yeah, I, I don't think, I think Gibbs would be a mildly surprising pick, but I also think it'd be a bad one. What would surprise Mike Nislick then? Uh, just if you kind of, I don't know, uh, ignored sort of the positions of need, like I've said, um, you know, I, I think I, they need it. You know, they keep saying you need 
four running backs on the roster. They don't have four, and Joe Mixon's status is kind of up in the air. Uh, they have three tight ends, and none of them really do the things that Hayden Hurst did last year. So I, I, unless they got some crazy trick up their bag that's not going to involve the draft, I mean, I think that those are your positions of need going in the draft, and you have to address them in the first three rounds. If they don't do that, I, I'd be surprised. It's funny. I feel like we're talking about all these big names like Mayer, Kincaid, Robinson, Gibbs, Mozzie Smith, like Kalai Jakansi, who, by the way, like speaking of surprising, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals pick him because, like, obviously he's good, but, like, I'd be more surprised if he falls that far. However, if, like, somehow he falls that far and he gets passed up, then oh, I'd be very surprised by that. I guess it depends on who the Bengals pick, but, like, if supposedly the future Aaron Donald is at that pick, I don't know how you say no to that, but I think, yeah, the, you know, what would surprise me is like, like I said, we're talking about all these names and then somehow they draft Brian Branch. And I'm looking at that like, this is Dax Hill over again. I mean, Dax Hill wasn't super surprising because people knew the Bates contract negotiations weren't going well. That just only confirmed it. But no, this would be way more of a jaw dropper than drafting Dax Hill because Dax Hill... You know, he ended up making sense because now Bates is gone. But speaking of Bates and speaking of previous draft picks, you know, this is something I've wanted to talk about for so long. But like I said, guys, there's just so much to get through with the combine and the draft and everything this offseason free agency. And I love asking what if questions. And there's two what if questions I want to ask to kind of, you know, put this uh, podcast to a wrap. And the first one, it sounds so simple, but I think there's a lot to this more than people realize. It's 2020, the Bengals have the first overall pick, you know, the favorite, the odds favorite, and just general favorite is Joe Burrow, and, you know, the Miami Dolphins call and say, hey, like, you know, we want that number one pick if we give you a five and whatever second, third round picks, or maybe the Chargers are like, hey, we want to take that number one pick, and we give you, I guess they were number six, plus whatever other draft picks they want to give, so let's say Duke Tobin says, okay, what's cool with us, they trade down to, you know, four, five, or six, either of those teams trade up to get Joe Burrow, and then the Bengals end up with a Justin Herbert or a Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, again, it's a big what-if question. I know it's a loaded question, but, like, if either of those guys were drafted, Herbert or Tagovailoa, would the Bengals be remotely anywhere close to where they are today as a contender? Um, Anywhere close, yeah. Um, You know, I think y- you kind of saw that – I, the team has been built up around. Um, obviously, you know, there's kind of a butterfly effect thing there where, you know, hey, does Jamar Chase still up, end up a Bengal? Um, you know, this, that, and the other. But, you know, assuming everything is the same, if you could just kind of replace Bro for Tua, I, I, you know, I think you're kind of where the Dolphins are, where, you know, okay, you need a couple strong off seasons of, you know, uh, of improvements, but you know, for now you're kind of floating around a wild card team. Uh, I, I'm really high on Herbert. I, I like Herbert a lot. Uh, you know, I think that you know, if you had Herbert, I'm not saying you would have been to the Super Bowl and been back to back AFC Championship games, but I, I do think that there's a really good case that if you had Herbert, you're still you're still really good, and you're still one of the top teams in the AFC. Um, you know, the, there's a reason why you know everybody talks about the Chargers every year as kind of a breakout candidate. Um, you know, yeah, they've got some good players, but they've also got the quarterback figured out. And, and Justin Herbert's getting going to get paid here real soon, too. So, yeah, if you had Herbert, I think you're in the same ballpark. Uh, Tua, not really. Mike, you're a big uh, Justin Herbert guy. Do you think Herbert could have had the same trajectory as Joe Burrow if he came to Cincinnati? 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, Tua's uh, injury history, too, hasn't helped them, especially now with this, these concussions. So, um, you know, that's part of where, why his trajectory, I think, isn't as upward-facing or upward-looking as, uh, as Herbert. But, yeah, Herbert, you know, a lot of the coaching decisions there in San Diego, um, you know, they've had some real issues. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I think he's been held back and not helped like Joe Burrow has. Uh, in Cincinnati, I think they could have gotten, um, you know, maybe not the top line production of what Joe Burrow's um, done, but um, pretty darn close to it with with somebody that you know has a very uh, similar you know skill set. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I actually think, I'll be honest, like I'm I'm pretty high on Justin Herbert. I was very skeptical at first because you know there was a debate over oh is you know Herbert better than Burrow, and I still think. Again, I know it's a debate that's not going anywhere for a while. Like I think Burrow's still better than Herbert, but I mean Herbert, what he doesn't have, and this is not a knock on him, he just doesn't have like the sort of killer instinct that Burrow has. But I still think, as far as like decision making, sounds like a arms- knock on. Sounds like a knock on Herbert that he does. <laughs> that well, well to- no, I mean like it's not not having a killer instinct doesn't mean that like you're weak. Like I think you can still be good, but it's just. You know, the difference between being great and good. Like, Herbert is good. Like, he's a great player. He can win in this league. Like, I think he's going to do well with the Chargers. He did well last year, besides the playoff game, obviously. But with Burrow, I think it's just that killer instinct that, you know, made the difference on a lot of moments that took the Bengals to the Super Bowl. Like, you know, beating Chris Jones on a sack in last year's conference championship. Like, getting sacked nine times against the Titans and still winning that game. Like, the throw he made to Tyler Boyd against the Raiders the week before that. You know, that was, like, basically the difference between winning and losing that game. Like, I don't know if I see Herbert making those plays, which is why I say, yeah, I think Herbert takes them to the playoffs. Do they make it far? I just don't know, and I I just don't think so. But, yeah, I mean, with Tua, and this is with respect to him, I mean, I feel for the guy he's gotten hurt so much. But, I mean, even if he plays well, like, how long does that really last? Like, does he maybe take them to the playoffs like he did this year? Maybe. I just don't see how far they get, like, assuming he goes down and then you have Brandon Allen starting in the playoffs like Skylar Thompson did. So I, I don't know. But this is the last question I want to kind of ask about the sort of what ifs. And th- this is an even more spirited debate that I think you could still have to this day. The year after that, it really came down to, are the Bengals going to pick offensive tackle Pinay Sewell from Oregon? Or are they going to go with, you know, Burrow's old teammate, Jamar Chase? We all know what happened. We all saw the result. No one's going to dispute or argue that. But what if they did pick Sewell instead of Jamar Chase? Like, I mean, again, another loaded question, but to kind of break it down, you know, what really simply put, like, do the Bengals make the Super Bowl if you pick Pinay Sewell instead of Jamar Chase? Uh, um, I don't know. That's a good question. Um. I mean, it was certainly a gutsy pick. You know, you, everybody saw the meme that kind of circulated on Twitter of, you know, Joe Burrow and, you know, Jamar Chase. But, um, yeah, I, I think um, – I don't know. It's a good question. I you, you almost feel like you have to say yes just because T. Higgins is still around and Tyler Boyd's still really good. But, I mean, I don't know. I uh, It's a really good it's – a, it's a good question. And I'm not, I'm not sure the answer to that. Yeah, because I mean, there's other dominoes, right? It's not just replacing one player, right. um, and so oh, yeah. you know, who, what other receiver do they land? So, you know, it's like, what's the uh, corresponding move? I think it's you know, those kind of um, what if scenarios. I mean, that's what you know. Uh, 
like Marvel Comics doing like what if uh, you know Wolverine didn't get adamantium? Um, <laughs> I think that all the time, Mike. I can't believe it. <laughs> Those are actual comic stories that they've written, and they go various yeah. places. So uh, it could take you anywhere. Um, so you know, who knows? So that's so the the domino point to that. So let's say okay, they pick Sewell and they need another wide receiver because you know they're not bringing back AJ Green. He's thirty three years old. He's out of his prime. Maybe you trade up your second round pick because obviously they use Jack. They they pick Jackson Carmen in the second round. Maybe you draft up and you don't get him, and because at, at that point you don't need him, you got Sewell. So instead of getting him. You trade up, and maybe you get a Rashad Bateman. Maybe you get a Kadarius Tony, who were both drafted in the first round. So you trade up to get a late first-round pick. You get Bateman or Tony instead of Chase. And then at that point, you have one of those two, Higgins and Boyd. You have Sewell, presumably playing right tackle instead of Riley Reef and Isaiah Prince, who, you know, Reef got hurt. Prince was a disaster with respect to him. But then as far as the dominoes go, like, here's the thing. It doesn't change everything else that happened from there. Like, you know, Trey Hopkins is still getting cut. Quentin Spain is still getting cut. Like, you're still bringing in Ted Karras and Alex Kappa to replace them, and you're drafting Cordell Volson for, you know, depth on the left side. And, you know, the only thing that changes is you don't get Lyle Collins in free agency. So is that money used to only, get some? I don't think that's the only thing that changes in this scenario. No, it's not the only thing, but I'm saying these, these are things that we, we know for a fact doesn't change. Like, we know they're not going to get Lyle Collins. We know they're still going to get those Why other linemen after they cut that? the others. Why, I, that's, I, I, I think in Why, know, well, well, think about it. Why, anything why would is Quinn... possible. Anything is possible. Mohammed, no, so, the Bengals will see the butterfly effect. Like, again, like that's kind of the argument here. The Bengals could draft Panay Sewell, and we could, the world could have ended. We don't know. Something could have happened that ended the world. It's just it, there's so many different permutations that come out of that. It's just impossible Wait, to fit. Hey, how, how did we how did we go from like cutting Trey Hopkins and Quentin Spain to the world ending? That's a know. pretty far jump. There's so many different outcomes possible. Well, as a Muslim, I have my own perspective on how the world's going to end, but I'll save that for another day. What I'm saying is, assuming they played the way they did in 2021. I mean, they were terrible. Like they're not in the NFL anymore. I'm just saying, I don't think Panay Sewell being there is going to hide how hideous those other guys were. Jonah Williams is Jonah Williams. I guess maybe another domino effect. And actually here's another question about that. Cause it's not the only thing that changes. So if you bring Sewell, he does pretty good and he's still healthy. Do you still bring in Orlando Brown? Like, do you bring him in? And do you consider having Jonah Williams compete with Panay Sewell? I don't know. Um, That's a good question. I can't even. (laughs) Hey, I'm looking at all the scenarios here. Trading up to get a receiver. Like, not getting Lyle Collins. Do you still get Orlando Brown? Like, these are all real ripple effects. I think they don't bring in Orlando Brown. I think they just look at it as like, we drafted Pinay Sewell. We trust Jonah Williams. Why would we have him compete with Sewell? But like, obviously Lyle Collins got hurt and they didn't have much continuity before Collins, you know, with Isaiah Prince and Riley Reef. So that's why they bring in Orlando Brown. But see, this is why what if questions are the best because you either sound like a genius or you sound crazy. That's the beauty of it. My very last question and maybe you guys don't have an answer to this. This is just your personal perspective. 
What would you say is the most exciting draft that you've seen in the last decade, or just really in your all's lifetime, even beyond this last decade? Oh man, there's a lot. Um, you know, I I love the draft. Um, it's it's you know maybe my favorite event on the NFL calendar. Um, you know, I I really love it. I uh, you know you you think back to you know the draft in 07 where Brady Quinn falls. Um, you know, and the the drama of the green room I think helps. Um, you know, the 2018 draft in recent memory, I just think because of the quarterbacks, because Lamar falling, that's there. Um, the first draft I ever really remember watching, and I think this is probably the answer, is the, uh, is the 2004 draft. Um, you had the Eli drama. Uh, I don't remember what, that. What was going on there. Um, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think of the, the 04 guys. Like, Eli gets drafted by the Chargers and, goes, and gets traded to the Giants. Uh, Philip Rivers gets traded by the, or gets drafted by the Giants, traded the Chargers. Larry Fitz, top five. Um, Sean Taylor, top five. D'Angelo Rip. Hall, top ten. Ben Roethlisberger was like twelfth or something. Jonathan Vilma was somewhere in there. Like that draft was. Kellen Winslow was there too. Like had a lot of names, had a lot of really exciting moments. So I, I, I say oh four, just you know for personal aspect, but also I think. If you kind of look back at it, you could probably do one of the like the thirty for thirty that ESPN has about the eighty three draft. Kind of feels like you could do one about the oh four draft as well. I agree. Uh, yeah, I've been you know working the event in some way or capacity, you know, for ten plus years. So they all kind of uh, blend together, and in terms of like that, um, I, I don't really, I don't, I. Historical stuff is not my my forte. Uh, I have a terrible memory for years like that, so um, I, I got nothing for you. I think for me, you know, I, that's a good answer, Andrew. I was just I'm a little bit younger than you, and I was not into football at that time, so I don't remember that. For me, I'd say the most exciting one was probably 2016. I mean, there's a lot of really good players that came out of that draft, not just in the first round. I mean, well, you got Jalen Ramsey was. Uh, was um... Um, why am I blanking on his name? The offensive tackle from Ole Miss, um, Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil, yeah, the the bong mask thing. Yeah, I do remember that. that that's part of why it was memorable. There, yeah, there was a lot going on that, so I, I do remember that. That was a fun one. And, and by fun, yeah. I mean I feel terribly for him, but um, it, right. it was a lot of intrigue. You had him. It ended up being pretty good. You know, you had Ronnie Stanley, who's been really good for the Ravens, and then what? Chris Jones in the second round. Um, Jalen Ramsey, who's a future Hall of Famer. You got Tyreek Hill, who's another potential future Hall of Famer. Derrick Henry, Joey Bosa, Michael Thomas. Like, and then I mean, you think about like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, like being the one-two punch. Like, you know how those picks shaped their legacies. Like, what happens if? You know, the Rams get Wentz and the Eagles get Goff. Like, I don't know. That's that's another good what-if question, which I'm not going to entertain that. But, you know, you kind of look at that and say, man, like, yeah, two quarterbacks that were picked who both went in interesting directions. You know, both played in – well, no, both had teams that went to the Super Bowl, ironically, in back-to-back years. But Wentz obviously didn't play. He was hurt. Goff did, lost to Brady. Really, yeah, I think that – I don't think it's forgotten about, but it's definitely memorable for sure. That, that's, that's a good one. Well, we've reached this point where we have gone through all of our pre-draft podcasts. So now for the next three days, we're going to bring you everything you need to know, recapping the Bengals' day one, day two, day three picks. So late tomorrow night, if you are up like most people will be, we will have a post-first round podcast for you. 
breaking down what happened Thursday, what that means for Friday and Saturday, and we'll do the same until the draft is in the books. So make sure you tune in. Once again, for myself, Andrew, and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We will see you Thursday night slash Friday morning.